What a joy to beginning Thanksgiving week. Again, just being with church family, being with those that um, you love. There was a young man that I visited probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, met him at the gym. And I don't want to call him by name, but uh, he is here this morning. And so I just want to say it's a blessing uh, when you are invited to come. And you come not because of Omar but because of your desire to be close to the Lord. And so thank you, my friend. Um, you are loved. Um, it's a good day. So the last few weeks, I'm gonna invite Jen, Jean Killo to come up on stage with me. And as she makes her way, um, the last few Sundays we have been um, highlighting our ministry areas um, that we partner with. And two weeks ago, we visited with Martin Dale and um, talking about Montrose Street Reach. Hey there, how are you? Can I give you some huggins? Good to yeah. see you. Good to see you. I haven't seen her yet. I've been in the baptistry, so that's a genuine hug. First time. Come on. Um, and last week, we got to hear from our Unbound Ministry and uh, just what God is doing there. And so, uh, Jean is the executive director for our Christus Pregnancy Center, Beltway 8 South. And um, I've had the joy of videoing with you and hearing your story over and over again, and it never gets old. It gets better every time. And so it is a joy for you, for you to be with us this morning. And so I want to ask the question, after I give you a microphone that's turned on, there you go, um, how did God call you to the Crisis Pregnancy Center? What was it that started this journey with you? Well, um, I was a single mom, and um, I had been in an unplanned pregnancy so, um, and I knew that the Lord brought me through it, and um, I was in church a lot of my life, but I really didn't turn my life over to the Lord till I got deep into Bible study. Amen. And so I was in the Bible study, and I just felt God's calling upon me that I could help others. Mm. He helped me, and so I could help others. Amen. And it's amazing all the people that he's brought into the ministry over the year that they've come from all different backgrounds and God has put into all of us a heart's desire to help others. Amen, amen, so, that's so good, it. so good. I did not know that. I've known you, you didn't, this long, I didn't know that. Okay. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how, what is, what is something that, before I get to that question, how many people do you think have come through the ministry and have chosen life? over death. What, what do you think that number is? Okay. Over 2,000 have accepted Jesus Christ oh. as their Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Amen. So good. Yes. Over 6,000 have chosen life for their unborn oh. child Amen. when they were thinking of abortion. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So good. That's what it's all about. Now, how long have you been there? Okay. I've been at this center 18 years, okay. and I volunteered at another center for five years okay. before that. So been in the ministry awesome. a long time. So good. Well, I know you've seen God move in mighty ways in that time. And yes. share with us a story that you could just say, hey, you've got to hear the story, how God showed up and God moved mountains. We'd love to hear that. You know, this is strange. We just interviewed some of our clients and their testimonies Friday okay, awesome. <laughs> of this week. Yeah. So I'll just share one of theirs. Um, Omar, um, this Pablo came back to our center after 13 years just to tell us thank you. Oh. And him and his wife, Marissa, and I have permission to use their names. Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
they came back just to tell us how much they appreciated everything that we had done. We thought we had done very little. I mean, we gave them pregnancy tests and ultrasounds and counseling and all of that. But they were 16 years old. They were in high school. And she became pregnant. And her mom and dad scheduled an abortion for the child. With the ultrasound, they discovered she was five months pregnant. But they still wanted to do an abortion. And this young couple fought against it, said, we're going to do it. They stayed in high school. They finished their high school. They got out. They got married. They have now been together 15 years total. And they have been married over 10 years. And they just wanted everybody else to hear their story, Mm. that they adore their 13-year-old son. Mm. And... The good news is the grandparents that wanted to abort him, they adore him too. Oh, even that's, better. That's the story. Oh, yeah. gosh. It's so, so good. Yeah. Well, I know that's one of many, but you just got to hear that on Friday. That's awesome. Yes. It, it's just incredible when they tell their own stories. And the number one thing that all of them said is, we came to this place and absolutely no one judged me. Mm. No one judged me. They just wrapped their arms around me, loved me, cared for me, and wanted the best for me. And that's what the ministry is all about. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good. Um, If you do not know, um, the crisis pregnancy is right on the corner, and um, Jean has given her life to loving on complete strangers that are struggling with um, wanting to abort, wanting to, to end the life of a loved one that's in their life, um, that God has planted in there. And um, through Jean and many of her workers, they have rescued 6,000 babies yes. from death into glorious life. <laughs> and to, I know, and you know what? It's not just those children. It is 6,000 that will go on to have children and the generations that will come from them. And that's what, that's what touches our heart. Amen. And it's, it's the life, life that keeps on giving. Right. And every one of those moms that chose life through Jesus Christ is going to now be able to pass that on Amen. to these children. Amen. So it's, it's just a blessing. They say we do so much, but they bless us beyond all measure. Yeah. 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 So good. Well, I know that there are um, prayer requests that come and go. Um, And if you're on our newsletter, if you signed up for our prayer um, newsletter, uh, you get an email from the CPC, and it'll say client number, and they'll have a number is is considering abortion. And so the church has come alongside the CPC in prayer, first and foremost, to make sure that we are going on their behalf. Sorry. Yeah. So how can we be praying for you, Jean? Well, just pray for our clients. I mean, they, those power, that powertrain is so powerful. I have had moms that walked out of my center and said they were going to abort. Mm-hmm. We pray uh, roadblocks. Something will keep them uh, and hinder them. But it's to their good because I've had moms call me back from the delivery room, tell me, I am looking in the eyes of my child, mm. and she would have never been born 
had I not come to your center. And, and we thought they were going to abort. So just keep praying over them. Um, that's the biggest thing we can ask for. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah. We can definitely do that. I want to invite Kathy to come up on stage with us. She has been our partner with the CPC. Um, yes. I'd like to say Kathy has been with us 18 years, yeah. and she came to us and has been our sonographer. So every one of those lives saved, you can thank Beck. Kathy, yeah, well you can just thank back uh, Kathy for being part of that because she, when they see the baby on an ultrasound and they hear the heartbeat at five and a half and six weeks, they'll choose life, Amen. Amen. and that makes a huge difference. Oh, so so we're thankful that y'all sent us Kathy. Hey, and literally you sent us Kathy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I'm put my hand on you. We'll be praying for you. Okay, Father God, thank you for today. We just got through testifying to the power in the blood, bringing us from darkness into life. And so God, I do lift up Jean as she has made it her life joy, her life desire um, to rescue um, young moms and dads um, from choosing um, death, God, uh, but choosing life. And you have used her God, to hear that 2,000 people have professed you as Lord through this ministry, uh, it makes my heart jump to know that 6,000 little ones are now uh, alive today because of the efforts and the prayers um, that were lifted up on their behalf, God. And so today, Jean asked that we would continue to pray. We're doing that now, God. All we know to do is to present these names to you, these numbers to you. They represent life. And so, God, we... We look forward to a year from now hearing those numbers increase, um, that more salvations come and that more babies are rescued and have life today. And so God, thank you for her willingness and her obedience to follow you to a work um, that the world is saying one thing, but your word is saying another and she is holding fast to your word. And so would you bless her because of those efforts and we will give you thanks. We will give you glory and rejoice for any good that comes out of it. Thank you for Kathy, God, for her willingness for 18 years to come alongside and to love on the same people that need love, God. And so I pray you bless her in a beautiful way even today um, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. The only reason, God, we can talk to you is because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Jean, I love you, my friend. I love you, too. I love you. Will you give it up for Jean one more time? I'm so glad they told me you were going to Hey, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as Jean makes her way down, um, I want to invite you to open in your word to Colossians chapter 3. Um, um, the last time the Lord allowed me to, to preach, um, he had me in the book of James for a long time and by the grace of God I was able to recite James from memory back in July and I asked the Lord what's next what do you want me to be pondering what do you want me to be focused on what do you want me to be chewing on and the Lord led me to the book of Colossians and so since July 27th ish 
Um, Every morning as I wake up, I put on Colossians and I listen to Colossians over and over and over and over again. And the last few weeks, um, I have just been listening to Colossians chapter 3 about 30 times on repeat in the mornings. I'm not going to quote it for you this morning, um, but I do want to just share with you what God has been just wrestling with me in a life I once lived, but who I am today. Um, and so David has been walking through with us in the book, um, many, many books, uh, but is walking through heaven. What is heaven gonna be like? And I thought to myself, thanks, you took all the good stuff. You're talking about heaven and now heaven's over. It's not over. Heaven's real, heaven's right now. But what am I supposed to share, God? And so, um, and I really believe that as we prepare for that day, Paul and Timothy give us a great reminder of what we're to do, how we're to live, how we're to be. And, and I think you will find these verses very familiar. I think you will find them very easy to listen to, but it may be challenging because you may find that you are guilty of some of these areas of life that Paul is saying you need to get rid of. And so um, Colossians chapter three, um, starting in verse one says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so these first four verses Uh, four verses as I've just been listening to over and over again I had to keep asking myself God is my mind set on things above is my heart truly set on things above and as I was thinking those thoughts God reminded me of a few times in scripture where we see people who did not have a right mind Uh, there's a story in the New Testament that there was a man who was possessed. Scripture says that the name was Legion, for it was many. And the people around this man knew of him as a crazy man. He would inflict wounds on himself. Nobody dared to come close to him. It was just kind of this sight to see from a distance, but you knew something was not right with this man. And they knew that he was possessed. But then Jesus comes into the picture. And as soon as he steps foot, he has a conversation. And it was one-sided. And he tells Legion, hey, you come out of him. And right behind that, Scripture says that the people found him in his right mind. For the first time, the people around saw this man who was possessed, and now he is living in his right mind mind and I wonder how many of us are living with a right mind how many of us are living with a sober minded it's not clouded but it sees clearly the text it sees clearly the love of Jesus and how it impacts us and it changes our life there's another very difficult story but profound and powerful nonetheless Um, Stephen finds himself testifying to God's glory that Jesus is the only way to the Father. There's no other way. 
And he begins testifying to this truth. And the enemy comes and says, you need to be quiet because you're blaspheming. He is not the only way. And it got so bad that they said, we're going to kill Stephen. You know the story. It's not just little rocks, but stones, huge pieces of rock are now being hurled at Stephen. And I don't believe any of us in this room have been pressed in that way. If you live in the United States, you grew up in Texas, you have not been pressed like this, I promise. But what I love about Stephen is that he never took his eyes or his heart off of Jesus. In fact, in that passage, it says that Stephen was looking up. And he even says out loud, he's like, look, I see God and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. You need to be quiet. And that's when they start throwing. And I thought, this man has so much love for those who are trying to kill him. His heart and his mind are so filled with the Lord that stones being hurled at him, hitting his flesh, probably bruising, probably hurting. His prayer request is not to say, stop, Lord, send legion, send down angels to annihilate these people. Get rid of them. Protect me. He is so in love with the Lord that he's looking at them and he's saying, Father, set them free. Don't let them perish for this. Forgive them for this. Because I have been given something by you, through you, and I just want them to experience that. And so in some way, God, if you can set them free and then they have a chance to repent, that would be my joy. That's Stephen's life. He's dying. And he's saying, I want them to have life. Man, would that be your response in that moment? And he says that he fell asleep and the Lord welcomed him in. And as I thought of Colossians chapter three, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Set your minds on things above. I'm convinced if we could just stop there, we would be a different church. We would look different to the world. But Paul and Timothy, as they're writing this story, they are literally among the church at Colossae and they are witnessing these people not living a life set apart, not living a life that's complete surrender to the Lord. And so the Lord uses Paul and Timothy to write these next words. And it says, um, verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, purity, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in the ways and the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And so Paul kind of walks through these things. And you're thinking, oh, that's a short list. And I'm never one to add to the text and I never will. But I'm truly convinced that you can probably think of some sins in your life that maybe aren't written in this, in this moment, but it's still the thing that keeps you separated from God. And he's saying, put to death, therefore, the things that belong to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, greed, idolatry, all of these things. And I think us as Christians, and I believe Paul, as he was talking to the church, he's saying sometimes you see these things that you struggle with and you decide, okay, God, today I'm gonna put it down. And then I'm gonna continue to live my life. I'm gonna do the things that I know is good and healthy. But in a moment of weakness, in a moment of struggle, I'm gonna go right back to it. I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna wear it. And then I'm gonna be convicted. I'm gonna put it back down. I'm just gonna lay it right here. And I'm gonna live my life, try to be holy and pleasing to the Lord, but then I'm gonna go back right to it and pick it up. And Paul is saying, you need to put that stuff to death, meaning there is no life found in it. So I wanna ask you, what is the area of life or areas that the Lord may have been whispering to you through the word or that you're being convicted of these things? Because scripture says if you're guilty of just one of these things, you're guilty of breaking all of God's law. And so he says, the wrath of God is coming. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander. I will confess that before I started reading Colossians, I would find myself getting angry at things that just didn't matter, things that were irrelevant, things that were just so superficial. It was like, why are you getting upset about those things? And it's simple things like not taking the trash out or cleaning the counter or just simple daily things that I think my boys are capable of doing. And I find myself just getting mentally angry and as I've been reading this, I, I sincerely, you can ask my bride, she has seen a difference in my life because I asked myself, where are my eyes? Where's my heart set? Why am I even thinking this negative thought? So God has used these words over and over. I just wanna look to, to the Lord like Stephen did. And I want that to change who I am. And I'm thankful that by the word and by the spirit, I am a different person today. And the Lord is saying there's no rich or poor, circumcised, uncircumcised, Scythian, barbarian, slave or free. Christ is all and is in all. Man, that should spark a joy in your heart and an excitement that he does not play favorites and we'll see that at the very end of Colossians, but that he loves you. And so Paul is saying, these are the things that you need to literally take off. They need to be put to death. They never need to be entertained anymore. And Paul doesn't just give these words. He says, hey, here's something else. Let me tell you what you need to be putting on. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And it seems simple, these things to put on. Yeah, put on compassion, put on love. But Paul again was talking to people that did not look like these things. And so I wanna invite my son this morning to come up. He's got his hands full. He's good, he's got it all. Um, This is my third son, Eli. And uh, he is gonna help me with this real quick. Um, Raise your hand if you know Jose Altuve. Everybody should raise your hand. If you don't, we'll have a talk after the service. Uh, Jose Altuve is the uh, second base for the Astros, um, and though has had some seasons that are up and down, has been a rock through the Astros organization. And so Eli is shorter than me, and so I want you to imagine that this is Jose Altuve, okay? Um, Again, he's shorter than me, so that would make sense. I am taller than Altuve by like two inches, by the way, so I take pride in that. Um, But what if Jose Altuve, on game six of the World Series, decided to come out looking differently? Jose Altuve puts on some shoulder pads. Jose Altuve puts on a helmet. Oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, Jose Altuve puts on a weightlifting belt. Um, and for the sake of time, these are dance shoes. And he decides, just leave them right there, to put those on, suits up. This isn't going to fit on you, so we'll just put it right there, okay? That's, that is Altuve's jersey. And his baseball bat will be this Texas Aggies putter. Now, it's not going to be very straight on basing on this past year uh, and yesterday. But this is his bat. Now just take a look at Eli real quick. And again, this is Jose Altuve. And he walks out to the field and he says, guys, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's get him. All of our team and our fans are gonna be like, what is wrong with Altuve? Does he expect to hit a home run with that putter, an Aggie putter? But the world around is like probably laughing at him, thinking this dude's an idiot. Look at him trying to do something dumb. As silly as Jose Altuve would look going out to game six of the World Series, as foolish as it would be to be dressed like this, he would not perform very well, would he? Paul and Timothy are talking to the church and he is saying, You who profess Christ as Lord, but live for things of the world, look like this. You still have anger, you still have rage, you still have malice, you still have all of these things. And Paul is saying, when people look into your life, you look like Hosea TV dressed like this for the World Series. People are gonna laugh at you. People are gonna look at you like, what is wrong with you? 
And he's saying, take off these things, buddy. Thank you. Well done. Can you walk down the stairs like that? Don't fall. You have padding, so it won't hurt. Y'all give it up for Eli real quick. Thanks, buddy. And Paul is saying, Christian, believer in Jesus, you look like that. You look so silly. You look so broken. You claim Christ crucified, but you are entertaining the things of the world. And he says, so put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I've said this many times, peace has a name and it's Jesus. When you confess Christ as Lord, you repented of your sins and you trusted Christ with your Lord, I believe that the spirit of peace came over you. You were set free from all of that bondage, all of that struggle, and you have been made new. You're starting to look like Jesus and it resides in you. But the problem is we let other things rule our life. We pick up our phone, we look at all the social media platforms and we begin entertaining our minds and our minds and our hearts stop looking at the Lord and they start looking right here and everything becomes clouded. And Paul is saying, you can have a life that is completely ruled by peace. That when you are insulted or that when you have a bad day, nothing of anger comes over you, it's just peace and joy. And you can smile at those who are persecuting. You can smile at the things that the enemy's trying to use in your life to bring you away from the Lord. The next verse says, let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Eric and I had lunch this past Thursday and we sat next to a complete stranger and we had a very interesting, probably 30 minute conversation. And as we were talking about where he grew up, he said he grew up in Alaska and he has retired, but his wife still works in the area. So they travel back and forth to Alaska. They have two homes, but in the summers they go back. And um, I knew the Lord was leading me to confess and to tell him about the Lord and to evangelize and to share the truth of the word with him. And um, as he was sharing these things, he said this one thing that I'll never forget. Um, he said, um, there, is a, there is a lake in Alaska that everywhere you look, up, down, left, right, it is gorgeous. It's prettier than anything I've ever seen. I've been to the Grand Canyon, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to all these places. There is a place in Alaska that is amazingly gorgeous. And he said, I am convinced that God resides in that spot. And as I thought of, about him just talking about how awesome that place is, I think everyone in this room has at least seen something of beauty in God's creation, whether it be the Grand Canyon, whether it be oceans, whether it be mountains. And you know that feeling of just being in awe of what God has done. And I think about the word. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you. So all of those things that you've read in the New Testament, the miracles that Jesus performed, you start thinking on those things. And then it leads you to another passage of remembering God's faithfulness in the Old Testament as he walked Moses, Aaron, and others. And that that life of thankfulness and, and, and faithfulness to God's people turns into remembering Jesus and all the things that he set you free from. And so Paul is saying, if you can let the peace of Christ rule in you, let the word of Christ dwell in you, ponder those things over and over and over again. And when you come to talk to someone, it's not your mind or your heart that's coming out. It's literally the word of God. And so Paul is walking, Colossians chapter three, set your minds and your hearts on things above. Get rid of all of these things that the earth is saying you should live in and put on these things, compassion, love, purity. It goes down to wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is good. My boys, I can say that one more time. You're all in here. But fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become angry with you. So it's not just on them, it's on me too. And so Paul is saying, if a married couple with family, these are the things that you will look like. And he kind of wedged it in there. We don't have time to walk through each of those. But verse 22 Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And this is another thing I have the joy of working with great people in this building. Um, I, don't, I don't get mad or frustrated with Lisa or Lisa or Jana or Mike or, or any, David or Scott. None of them. Like, I come into this place so when they ask me to do something, it's with joy that I get to do it. Like, I, I love that. But I have worked secular jobs that that was not the reality. That was not the case. I did not want to work for them. I did not want to make them look good. In fact, I wanted them fired. Paul and Timothy are saying, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. In absolutely everything, you work as you are working for the Lord, not man. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And what does that mean? Your tithe, are you being faithful to the Lord through giving? through how you love your spouse, how you raise your children? Are you working as you're serving the Lord? Are you loving them the same way? Are you praying for those? I talked to our students on Wednesday night. It's hard for us to pray for our enemies. But then it's easy to pray for those that love us. And I said, raise your hand if you prayed with somebody in this room. And not many hands went up. And I thought, gosh, these are your brothers and sisters. You should be praying for them all the time. Look around in this room. How often have you presented those names up to the Lord? 
And so Paul's saying, in everything that you do, do not take your eyes off the Lord. Do not take your heart from him, but lay it at his feet. And everything that you do will be holy. Everything that you do will be Jesus. And you won't look silly to the world. You may make them mad because of the life you're living. But there is a reward that the Lord said that he will give you on that day. The last verse kind of just seems like it's out in right field. Like, why would you go through all these things? But I think it's perfect how he ends it. And he says, um, anyone who does wrong will be paid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. Anyone who does does wrong will be paid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. Um, The last two weeks, um, maybe three now, I've had a chance to visit with um, strangers. And I have walked with them similarly, uh, highlighting the things of the world, their sin, um, two different lives, two different people. One on one hand, was confessing that he was a sinner and admitted to um, just a life that was not holy. Confessed to being a liar, a thief, an adulterer, a blasphemer, blasphemer at heart, using God's name in vain. And it broke this man. It literally, you could see the brokenness in his heart. And this guy over here, when I started asking him about just his life and the sin maybe that he has entertained, he could not confess that he was a, that he was a sinner. He's like, I am, I am not a bad person. Like, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. And I'm like, but a just God and loving God will. And it was amazing to me that the same truth, the same Word completely changed one person's perspective in life, and this one almost spit at it and ran away. The last words he said to me, he said, Omar, I think we see eye to eye on many things. I'm thankful that you have found what you think is to be true in your life. But I believe your way is way too narrow. And because of that, have a good day and just walked away. And I thought, are you kidding me? That's the truth. (laughs) Wide is the path to destruction and narrow is the path to Christ, to holiness. And what I was trying to articulate with him is that on judgment day, because it was all about being good, I am good, I am good. I'm only a liar. He only confessed to being a liar that I've lied before, which... I guess he could have lied about everything else he said, but he confessed to lying. Sorry. I told him, if Eric had murdered your wife in the most gruesome way possible, and you're in the courtroom and it's judgment day. And I asked Eric, Eric, did you commit that crime? 
And he says, yes, Omar, I did. And I'm pretending to be the judge. Would you be okay as the husband if I let him go without punishment? He said, no, I, I think he deserves to die. Like, he killed my wife, she should die. That's right, it's true. And I would be playing favorites if I said, Eric, your good completely outweighs your bad. Completely, you've done so many good things, Eric. Because of those good things, I'm gonna forgive that one little thing. You're, you're set free. That judge would not be judging rightly. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. And I said, the reality is, I have to punish sin and wrongdoings for what it is. And that's what the Lord does. And I was trying to articulate that to him, that your very good deeds are like filthy rags. They don't come close to God's goodness. So I want to remind you this morning, and I want to ask you the question, where has your mind and your heart been? Has it been on the things of this earth? Has it been on the things of this world? Or has it truly been set on things above where Christ is seated? And all I ask is that you would just ask the Lord, search my heart, remove any way that is not pleasing to you, that does not, is not in line with your text. And maybe you would admit that maybe you think that your good outweighs your bad and because of your good deeds, you think you're fine. I just wanna gently tell you that you're wrong. Your good will never save you, but Jesus is the only one that can. And for you not to agree to that would be to say that Jesus was foolish to jump on that cross to die for your sins or that it didn't even happen. Why would we articulate that? But sometimes our actions show that. So as we pray, seek the Lord's face. This altar will be open. You can repent. You can ask God to set you free. You can do that right where you're sitting. But you respond to Colossians 3 as the Lord leads you. Father God, thank you for today. Our hope and our desire this morning was to please you. But God, maybe as we walk through this place, we've recognized some areas that we may need to release back to you. Maybe we have not put to death the things of this earth. So God, can I just ask that your spirit would move in the hearts of those that are listening, to those that might be feeling the spirit's tug, and would you allow them that freedom this morning to be made new, to take off the old self, to put on the new self so they can be changed forever, God. So God, this time is for you. Church, this time is for you to talk to the Lord and you respond how the Lord leads you.